Listeners, before we jump into the show today, I wanted to let you know about a campaign we launched in November and December of this year, 2022. It's called Every Woman, Every Season. Women in Work is for every woman in every season of her life. It's our privilege to produce content that is applicable and inspiring for women from all walks of life, in all age categories, and in all stages of their work lives, from the time they are just beginning to dream about what God would lead them to do, all the way to retirement and beyond. Why do we care about every woman in every season? Simply put, because God does. The God who created galaxies and calls each star by name also formed each woman on the planet in His image. And for those who belong to Christ, He has given them an eternal kingdom-infused purpose that He planned long ago for them to walk in. Our goal at Women in Work is to see every woman in every season step forward into her next work assignment from God and fulfill all He has called them to do in that space. We pray that we've been able to serve you in this way, whether that's been through this podcast, our book club, the blog, events, devotionals, or our Work Done Well interview blog series. And if that has been the case, it would be our honor for you to partner with us as we continue to follow God's lead in serving every woman in every season. Our goal is to raise a total of $7,000 by the end of 2022. And through your generosity, we can meet that goal. Your financial partnership will help us in several key ways. First, it will help us launch our brand new initiative, the Women in Work Scholarship. What better way to help propel women forward into their calling than by assisting them financially as they further their education in the field of study that God has called them to. Our goal is to raise $2,000 specifically for this initiative. Your financial partnership will also enable us to improve the audio and video quality of the Women in Work podcast. It will help us gather with you at more in-person events. Your contribution will also help us create merchandise you'll love for both its form and function. Women in Work is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, so your donations are fully tax deductible. You can give a one-time end of your donation, or we'd love for you to choose to become a monthly partner. Go to womenwork.net slash donate, and you'll find that link in the show notes. As always, we're thrilled that you choose to listen to our podcast and pray that it serves you. And we'd love for you to become a sponsor of Women in Work. Thank you. Now let's jump into the show. Listeners, we are so happy uh, you have joined us today. We've got a really special episode coming your way. We have a special guest with us today. Her name is Erica Patrick. Erica married her husband, David, in 2002, and together they joined the International Mission Board to become missionaries in 2004, and they planned to serve the Unreached People Group in Southwest China. That's where they did serve. So um, David and Erica, along with their three children, uh, served there in China for 16 years, guys, before they were forced to leave due to some security issues in March of 2020. So this sudden upheaval began a journey of faith in them, resulting in utter dependence on the Lord and His Word for just all they have needed. Little did they know that the Lord would use all of this to prepare Erica for the loss of David suddenly and unexpectedly in October of 2020. Since then, the Lord has reminded Erica that he's faithful and trustworthy and does not fail. The Lord has also continued to place the call of international missions on Erica's heart and reminded her that through her circum that though her circumstances have drastically changed 
her God and her calling had not changed. Erica and her children will be serving overseas with the International Mission Board in Taiwan later this year. And so we are thrilled to have Erica on the show. Such an honor for us, Erica, to have you on. Thank you for making the time and the heart to come on. Yeah, absolutely. We are really grateful. Okay, Erica, um, before we dive into the interview, one of the things that we really like to do is our rapid fire questions. All right. So are you ready? Sure. Yeah. Okay. As a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I always wanted to be an ice cream truck driver because I would hear them coming through my neighborhood yeah. and I just thought everybody loves an ice cream truck driver and you make everyone happy and you get to eat all the ice cream you want. So that's what I thought I would do. I <laughs> am sad I didn't think of that first because <laughs> yes, yes, I had the same experience. Yes. That's yes. so funny. I hear as a mom now, don't you, when you hear the ice cream, do y'all, we still have an ice cream truck that comes by our wow. house almost every afternoon. Amazing. Except it's not as a mom, though, because you're like, uh, kids, no. It's like no, right at dinner no, time. No, it's like right course. at 5 o'clock. So it's like, no, don't go outside. Oh, right, right. Dramatics. <laughs> yes. We yes, don't yes. have that here. Yeah, we don't have it either. But if we did, I, I might be out there with my kids. Oh, I might be the problem, right? I might actually be the problem, right? Because <laughs> I don't love ice cream. Side note. Okay, Erica, what was your first job? Um, I think I've always been a saleswoman of sorts. So I would say my very first job was that I would pick cotton and catawba worms from uh, trees and then the field across from my house and sell it to my neighbors. Um, so that was kind of my, <laughs> when I was a young child, that's what I did. Um and uh, I think that has led into, I'm still a saleswoman of sorts. I would say um, <laughs> now I, uh, my desire is to take the good news of Jesus Christ to those who have never heard and um, to persuade those to take hold of those treasures, just like I did with that cotton and those Catawba worms when I was young. Wow. I wanted to be sure that I was hearing the word worms. <laughs> yes. So they're really good for fishing. They're good bait. And they, um, they're they on, okay. they're, they're called Catawba worms. They're in trees. Uh, we happen to have a few of those in my yard. So I would sell them to my neighbors along with cotton from a field that was not my field. It was a neighbor's field, but I would pick the cotton. But, I, you know, I would de-seed it for them. So I thought I was doing them a good service. And I thought they could stuff pillowcase or pillows with it or whatever they wanted to do with it. <laughs> wow. Great. That's wow. great. I love okay, the answers what kind we get on these, Missy. I know, never I know. The <laughs> never the same. I love it. Okay, Erica, what kind of work do you want to be doing when you're 80 years old? Lord willing, I'll still be doing this same work. Uh, I just believe mm -hmm. if the Lord chooses to give life and breath, this is the purpose he has called each of us to. And uh, our job is to make his glory known among the nations. So I hope that's what I'm still doing when I'm 80. I love it. All right, so Erica, you mentioned... Um, cotton fields. I love your deep Southern accent. Tell us about you. Where did you grow up? How did you come to know the Lord? Just give us a little tidbit about you. Yeah, I grew up in Alabama, so that's for my Southern accent, though. Ooh. Though I feel like it's probably less than it was before since I've lived overseas for a while now. Um, but definitely being here for a bit has come back. Um, when I was growing up, I was taught all the stories from Scripture um, and I didn't, but I didn't understand that a relationship with God was really um, available to me and possible for me. And so I felt like, or I was taught that if, um, you know, I had 
this concoction of good works and penance and all of that, that it would save me from hell. And so um, praise God that he pursued me with his goodness and mercy. And when I was in middle school, uh, the Lord brought a friend into my life and her family was completely different than what I had seen before. And uh, the things that were important to them were lasting and eternal. And um, I just understood who God was in a completely different light. And uh, when I was 16, the Lord called me out of darkness and into his light. And uh, he allowed me to see my sin for the deadly thing that it was and um, to see Jesus as the giver of all life. And I knew I wanted all of him. That's beautiful. Okay, so after high school, what led you to pursue, because I we read that you pursued electrical engineering at Auburn. That's it. Um, that's completely different than what you're doing <laughs> now. Yes. So how did you imagine you'd use that degree? Um, I felt like at that time, I didn't know that I was going to end up overseas. Um, I knew I loved the Lord, and uh, I knew I loved math and science. So uh, that was kind of the path I was on. But midway through college, um, I just came to a place where I had had an experience of um, a summer project overseas. And uh, during that time, um, I had read a story uh, from Hudson Taylor's biography um, mm -hmm. in which this convert, this recent convert of Taylor's um, says to him, um, how long have you had the good news in your country? And Hudson Taylor um, tells him uh, it'd been sev several hundreds of years. And the, the man, Mr. Nee, responded and uh, he said, um, is it possible that you have known about this for so long and only now have come to tell us? My father sought the truth and died without finding it. Oh, why did you not come sooner? And that really convicted me and moved me and forever changed my heart. Um, and I knew I could no longer be content to uh, stay on the street corners of downtown Tuscaloosa where I could see four um, churches from where I was standing. And um, I knew that I could no longer be content just to be in the States climbing this ladder of success with electrical engineering. Um, I knew that the Lord was calling me uh, to live my life out overseas and for his glory there. And there, I knew um, at that point I was learning about missions and just came to understand that there are places in the world um, who don't even have a single believer, let alone mm -hmm. a church. And so mm -hmm. I just felt like this is what God had asked me to do, to go and take the light to the very darkest places. So what advice would you give to women who right now may be trying to discern if the Lord is calling them to become missionaries anywhere, whether local or domestic or international, like what would your advice be to them? Hmm. I would say first to, um, to pray. And um, I would say to remain steadfast in the mm -hmm. Lord and his ways and keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. Um, I think as we run hard towards Jesus, he brings all these other details um, in line with what he has called us to. And so um, he makes the path clear, but I think we keep our eyes fixed on him and remain in him. And um, and then I would say to spend time with internationals and ask the Lord um, to give you friendships and um, understanding of cultures and people's hearts um, from different worldviews and, um, and just ask him to um, make something clear to make it clear to you uh, who 
he would be calling you to. I think he did that for me as well. Um, we spent time with a lot of international, I did in college, spent time with a lot of internationals, but then even after um, I knew I was going to go to the field, I spent time with internationals and just asking the Lord to kind of raise up a group. And um, I always felt drawn towards Chinese, actually. It was very interesting. Um, even after we knew we were going to China, um, David and I had um, kind of this Friday night um, Bible study with internationals. And uh, there would always be Indians and Japanese and Koreans and Chinese. And I would always gravitate toward the Chinese. It's just, they were my people from the beginning. And so, um, yeah, I think you stay fixed on Jesus and then you ask him to develop in you a heart um, for a people that he calls you to. Do you feel like it's required to have a call to a specific place or a specific person? Or do you feel like it's okay to feel like God is just calling me to missions and I'm willing to do whatever? I would say having, we all have this call to go and make disciples. And I think mm -hmm. understanding that is at the core of missions. Um, there's this idea that, oh, those are missionaries. So they go and do that thing. And I am not a missionary. So I do my thing and I just pray mm -hmm. for them or send them. Um, but uh, David Platt has kind of a, a longer quote, but in it, he says um, that uh, it, it's basically, it should, it's not even be thought of that we would relegate missions to this compartmentalized group of a few people in the church, but we as the church would um, be on mission for God. And so I think just knowing and understanding he has called each of us to go and make disciples and then asking him where that is. Um, if it's overseas, then where is it and who is it among? If it's in the States, then where is that and who is it among? And so the call is to go for all of us. And where you go is between you and the Lord to figure it out and to discern. But um, yeah, I would say I do believe he does give a sense of a people or a place, actually. Um, as I prayed, uh, I just remember very specifically when I was on my one-year stint, I was kind mm -hmm. of doing a little vacation time. And during that time, I remember standing over this city and just feeling very drawn to this city and this people and praying, Lord, would you send me back here? Like, would you just give me a people and maybe this people? And it actually ended up being years later, the very place mm -hmm. and the very people that I had prayed over. And so, wow. and I didn't even choose that. That was something that the IMB chose for me. And so wow. um, just amazing how the Lord worked all of that out. Yeah. That's so, great. so along these same lines, are there any resources that besides the Hudson Taylor biography, I'm thinking about women right now who are feeling a stirring for perhaps the Lord is calling them to missions. Are there any resources that you would recommend for them um, whether it's discerning a call, actually preparing, you know, practically to go I mean, I'm just thinking of packing for something like this, you know, um, or, you know, if they're just really just interested in, wow, like they've perhaps never even considered, oh my gosh, you could actually just go and make disciples as a vocation. Um, are there anything, websites, um, books, I don't know, that podcasts you would point them to? Yes. Um, I would say the first thing I would say is if you have ever heard of perspectives, I would say to take the perspectives class. Uh, for me, um, that was uh, paradigm shifting. Even after I had already served on the field for over 16 years, I took the perspectives class actually just last year. Um, I got the opportunity because I was in the States. And so um, I would just say, 
that um, that really helped me to understand missiology from lots of different points of view and to understand what practically missions would look like on the field versus what my ideas might have been. And um, so I would say uh, that's one thing that one resource that they could have um, to get a hold of and just be a part of that class. I think here it's like a 15-week um, class and uh, lots of reading, but so very good. And just the things that I was challenged with, um, even after serving on the field a really long time, really um, caused me to go back to the foundation and say, okay, what do I really believe about this and how should this be lived out? So how do you take this class? Perspectives is through IMB or? Um, no, it's actually Perspectives. And I think you can just look it up online. Um, I, I would have to look it up as well. But um, there, I just actually looked up online. In our city, in Tuscaloosa is where I am right now, um, mm-hmm. we actually have a group that, that goes through it every year. And so we mm-hmm. have a Perspectives class that starts in January every year. And okay. I think it finishes up in March or April. Um, so it's possible that in different cities that is happening in, as well. And like I'm sure it is happening in different cities as well. But I actually took it online because I couldn't be part of it at the timing that it was being taught here. Uh, So you can do it online as well. But I think that's a great course um, for those who maybe haven't gone through seminary and don't really wish to go that route, but really want to understand missiology, um, its history, where it is today, and and all these different nuances for different people, groups, and cultures and worldviews. Um, So I would say that is a practical resource. And then I would also say just missionary biographies um, really will stir your heart and affections towards the nation, but also it will just... Um, I think, give you a really high view of God um, and just what He is able to do and His power in and through those who would surrender to um, to His work. And so those are a couple of things that I would say for people who um, are looking for some resources. Okay. When you were on the field as a single woman, did you have any, like, fear with that? Or, like, because... Give me your thoughts surrounding being on the field <laughs> as a single woman. I, Because I, my mind is going a lot of different ways, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, when I was on the field the first time as a single woman, I actually was on a team. And so I felt very, like I had a lot of great community. I felt very comfortable in that. Um, and I think... Um, I had actually had a, I had not read a lot of missionary biographies, but one that I had read was about Mother Teresa. And so I had this mentality like, okay, this is Mother Teresa can do this. So this is how I should, um, <laughs> should go to. Um, since then, I've read Gladys Aylward, and I would say she's probably one of my greatest missionary heroes. And um, had I read her before that, I might have um, had her in my mind. But what I was think her name, Erica? Gladys Aylward. Okay. Um, she was a missionary to China as well, but her story is just incredible. And she went through um, the j- the war between the Japanese and Chinese um, while mm. she was there. It was just really incredible. And she has t- amazing stories about, um, yeah, just going into jails and like the whole jail being converted and all these things. So uh, wow. the Lord really worked amazingly through her. So, um, and then of course, Lottie Moon uh, as well. But I think... Um, yeah, I think I just had this idea of these are women who have done these these hard things and God calls us to this and he goes before us and he goes with us and he doesn't fail us. And I think even from an early um, age in my uh, faith and in my missionary career, that was the same mantra that the Lord gave is he does not fail us. He is faithful. And so I would say I didn't fear um, any of that singleness or um, my safety and 
Um, I always felt like uh, safety was not something that was promised, that we, mm-hmm. I counted the cost and I laid that that down and just said, Lord, you've called me to this. And so whether you or not you asked me to give my life for it, I'm called to it. So what I have to do is obey. That's my, that's what I've got to do. And then Lord, you got to do the rest because I'm weak, you're strong. And so just, um, just clinging to him and laying it all down before him. So I would say as a single woman, that's what we do. And as a married woman, we would do the same. (laughs) That's a great answer. And I love how these stories of these women missionaries, of course, men as well, but I love how you, you read those stories of those women. I mean, that's what I hope for this podcast. Women will hear stories of other women following the Lord and saying, wow, they did that. I could do that. You know, and he encouraged your faith through their testimony. So praise the Lord for that. Okay. So we, so far we've only talked about your life up to you being single. Um, so I want to hear about how you and David met our listeners can, I'll let you guys know. So David and I, your husband went to college together. He was a couple of years ahead of me, maybe. Um, but I actually went on a (laughs) short term, uh, mission trip. Actually, I went, we went on a, uh, weekend mission trip. Actually, we would, Mm -hmm. our university would take these little weekend, they called him for all the University of Mobile Rams out there. Who remembers <laughs> Urban Plunge? Okay. <laughs> and so David was on my trip to Birmingham. We did a little weekend mission trip there. And then um, I actually went on like a two week trip with him to China. And I mm. feel like it was maybe after that, that he met you. So tell us, how did you guys meet? Are, are y'all from oh the same goodness. town? And then just tell us about David and how you yeah. both felt called to China. Yeah, that's amazing that you were on that trip. I don't think, I mean, I didn't even know that until you just mentioned it. Okay. Yes. So while David was, that really is amazing. Oh my goodness. Um, So while David was on that trip, uh, I was also in China on my one year term, stint term with Crusade. And so, um, so I was there doing in mission work in China. David was there on that short-term trip. And during that time, so we actually both grew up in Tuscaloosa and just a little background, we went to high school together, but I was a year older than him. And so, um, so I, you know, we didn't have as much, um, contact and communication, but, um, before I left high school, I really wanted to share the gospel with my whole school. Um, because I just thought like, I'm out of here. Like I'm going to Auburn. doesn't matter. I'm just, I want to share with everybody all at one time. And, um, like, you know, Billy Graham revival or something, but I didn't know what I was doing. I hadn't been taught, um, evangelism or missiology or anything. Like I just really didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew my heart was to share this hope I had in Christ. And so, um, and I knew David played the guitar because he had led this um, Christian teens club at high school. And so I was like, hey, I think I'll ask him to like play this song and I'm just going to sing this song and like share the gospel. And so for the talent show, okay, because it's okay. like a talent show. Everybody has to go. It's captive audience, um, you know, so during the talent show. So we sang this song. I don't know if you guys remember. This is going to date me for sure. Um, <laughs> but DC Talk, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. I know and that so, song. Yeah. And so... Um, <laughs> So I had, I asked David to sing this song with me and play the guitar. And so we sang, I wish we'd all been ready. And then at the end, I just shared like a brief little, what I could think of to share the gospel with my whole school. And, um, and then David would have said, um, yeah, and then she never talked to me again, but it's, it's not true. We didn't talk again, <laughs> but, um, but I was really thankful just for that meeting because then later, um, while he was overseas and I was overseas, actually our moms uh, ran into each other at a doctor's office. 
during that trip while you were with him. And uh, they started talking about their kids as moms do. And they realized both of their kids were doing mission work in China. And they said, we should get them together. And so, uh, yeah. So when I got back from um, China and David got back from China, our moms um, kind of connected us. And uh, I just remember the very first time um, I kind of reconnected with David and Um, and I said, you know, you can come over for lunch with my mom and I, like I was very specific, you know, I just wanted to (laughs) let him know I'm off limits. I've got this big plan for my life. The Lord called me to China. I'm going to go do this work. And, um, you know, and so he came over and we had lunch and after lunch, we're kind of sitting around talking and showing pictures of China and all that. And, um, and I just said, you know, I just want to be very clear. Like, um, I have this really great desire and I believe the Lord has called me to China and I don't want to, I don't want anything to get in the way of that. Like I was just basically saying I'm off limits. I'm not going to get in a relationship. And, um, so I said, I just want to be very clear. Like I, I just, I don't want to have, you know, family and, uh, and husband and all that. I just want to go and do what God has called me to. And, mm-hmm. um, and so David says, uh, he, you know, he heard that and then he went home and his mom would say that he walked in the door and said, mom, I'm going to marry that girl. And so <laughs> oh, he no. knew in the beginning that the Lord would call us to that. And he knew he had already been called to Tana as well. And so, um, as we were talking and, um, he began to pursue me, uh, for, you know, towards marriage, of course. And, um, I just was like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, that was not part of my plan. And, uh, but the Lord, um, he knew, and it was part of his good plan. I just remember being on the phone with David one night and just thinking, I would be a fool to not consider this guy who loves God most. And and he mm. did. He loved God most. And to the very end of his life, he loved God most. And um, and then who wanted to glorify God by serving in China. And I just thought, let's do it together. And so, um, yeah, so the Lord uh, used his love, David's love for God and for um, the nations just to captivate my heart towards him. So I praise God for that because he knew I needed him in my life for so much for sanctification and for um, godliness. And uh, he was an amazing um, spiritual leader of our home as well. So I just praise God for him and um, and just his walk with the Lord and how that um, called me not only to marriage with him, but also um, just to godliness and holiness, um, just a greater walk with the Lord as well. Wow. I mean, that's just beautiful. <laughs> so, okay. So tell us, do you get married and then just like whisk off to China or how does that work? <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, basically, I mean, we had to do a couple years of seminary um, with the IMB. Yeah. They they want you to have a, a degree, uh, a seminary degree to go. And so um, David did some seminary and we actually were part of a program. Um, it was called two plus two. So you would do yes. two years seminary and two years overseas. And we ended up doing the third year. So we went ahead, went apprentice, and then um, we turned around career um, immediately after that. So yeah, so we did two years after we were married, but it was pretty, we knew where we were going and we were just needed to be on that trajectory. So we were, it was pretty clear from the beginning what we were going to do and just um, needed the Lord's uh, timing on that. So. So it had to be crazy to be a young couple, recently married, just finished seminary, um, plugging the two plus two program here. I I think it's a great program. Um, but, but then you have to go and like adjust to life, marriage, Mm. language, ministry, Mm. another culture, Mm. different people and being away from your family. How did all of that work for you guys? 
Yeah, I think, again, um, just God was so faithful. He provided a team for us to join and uh, and to do the work alongside us. And I think that was really helpful. Um, definitely, we experienced all the things you would expect with Culture Shock, um, just the newness and the people and the places and the language acquisition. Um, but we just saw God's faithfulness in each of those things. And I think from the beginning, we just thought, you know, we we're here. So we're going to do what we can with what we've got. And in the beginning, mm-hmm. we only had English. So we just sought out people who were studying English at the university. And um, in our in the city we lived in, it actually was very rural. So there weren't any um, native English speakers and, and people mm-hmm. who just, you know, weren't university students didn't speak any English. So that was kind of our target in the beginning was these university students because they could speak the language we could speak at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so we started um, actually sharing with them and then actually started um, a, a Bible study group on campus, and we met with them weekly. And um, believers came out of that and kind of helped develop them into a church. And so, um, yeah, so that was doing what we could with what we had at the, at that moment. And as we acquired language or um, different cultural things or a business, um, different things like that that we did along the way, we would kind of branch out into those areas. Just as the Lord gave um, new skills or uh, new platforms, we would we would branch out into that. So. I think, yeah, there are definitely um, times of desperation and weakness, but that drives us to clinging to Jesus. And it drives us to just asking him, like, show yourself so great in this. Like, I've got nothing of, of within myself. Like, you've got to do this, Lord. And so I think um, when we come up against those on the field or in life, and um, when we come up against those things where we just say, like, I don't have the skill set for this. I don't know what to do with this. And, and we just, we cry out to the Lord and we just ask him to show himself faithful again and again. And he does. He always does. So you're in China. And, you know, it's not known for being particularly safe or welcoming to missionaries. Mm-hmm. Um, did you all have to take, you know, certain precautions in terms of just your own security? How, what did that look like? And did that not freak your parents out? <laughs> I actually don't know what they thought about it. Um, it. I mean, maybe they maybe they did think that a little bit freaked out about it, but I think they didn't mention that so much. I think they just tried to be supportive. Um, but yes, I think um, in the beginning, I think we went in very cautious and we were, um, you know, cautious about um, what we would say out loud or over email or right. um or, you know, just on the phone or whatever. And uh, we were cautious with, we, you know, not meeting in large groups and not meeting in the same place with the same people all the time. I think as we lived there longer and longer, and as we saw um, things in um, this in society changing more and more, um, just opening up, it felt like we got more and more comfortable there. Um, I think that was kind of the way we we just kind of waited to see and we would um, kind of test the waters with things and kind of see what other people were doing and say, yeah, okay, that went over okay, so we're probably all right. So we would just kind of walk with what we felt like everyone else was walking in. Um, it wasn't until the end um, of our time that we felt like the oppression and the um, the security concerns came back. And so that was mainly due to um, just a lot of changes taking place in leadership um, in China. And so, wow. yeah, so I think for us, um, we had always felt a freedom actually um, hmm. to share at least one-on-one, um, but even near the end, that became um, just something that was less and less of a freedom for us. 
Interesting. Okay. And so you have three children, your mom, I mean, were your, you know, did you stay there and have your children? I'm just practically, <laughs> what did this look like for you? Yes. So my first one, um, Elijah, he's 13 right now, but he um, was actually born in Auburn um, there. So we were on stateside when he was born. And then my two girls, Auburn Grace is my daughter. She's 11. And then Evie Faith is eight. Uh, she, they were both born in Thailand actually. And I always tell people that my, my births in uh, Thailand were infinitely better than my birth in the States was, uh, it just was so much smoother. And I think just, we feel very Asian, just who we are. And so I think it just kind of went along with our culture more and, uh, yeah, it was a really great experience. So my girls, it's really funny because my girls, um, for a long time, they tried, they were struggling to figure out were they Thai or were they American because they were born in Thailand, but they're American citizens. And then just recently, even my daughter, um, she was, she met a friend uh, who was from Thailand and she said, oh, I'm from Thailand too. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so they kind of take on um, international children. Yes. That's great. Did your f- children have a connection with your family here in the stateside? And like, did you miss them? And how did that, how did you keep that bond going? Yeah, I think. They did. I mean, we talked through FaceTime and uh, Skype back in the day and all of that. But I think, um, yeah, they we would just kind of make sure weekly to check in with our families and um, just to give them. And then we really tried. And um, once before we had children, we tried to do longer terms, like four, four to five year terms on the field just for longevity and just for language acquisition and all of these different things. But once we had children, we felt like coming back every two to three years was really helpful for them just to have these touches on American culture and it touches on family. And then of course our family, um, was in a place uh, health wise and financially that they could come over and visit us. And so they would come over and visit us on kind of the off years. So, um, so it sounds like not very often, but we saw them at least once a year, it felt like. And, um, and we saw them when we saw them, it was very intense times because they were staying with us and they were spending 24 hours a day with us. So it felt really fulfilling in that just, um, and of course we miss them and we miss out on things, but I think that's part of the cost that you count and you say, um, this is like, Jesus is worth it and this is worth it. And so there's a lot of costs to be counted. Um, that's just a really small one actually. And so, um, but I think, I think they understood that as well. And that was really helpful that they were, they bought in as well. That's great. So you talked a minute ago, um, when you were talking about some of these biographies you were reading, um, you mentioned, um, things you, you thought, how you thought it would be as a missionary versus the reality. So I'm just wondering, you know, what were some of the maybe biggest surprises or challenges or things maybe you didn't see coming that, wow, if you had known that, that would have really helped prepare you. Probably the one of the greatest challenges was language acquisition. Um, I had learned some Chinese just being there for the year, but just going back and not just trying to get, um, you know, language just for everyday talk, but really trying to understand and um, speak spiritual language. Mm. And so that we could teach um, different things about the Bible or to share the gospel well. But then beyond that, we worked with an unreached people group. And so after about four years of learning Mandarin, we made a shift to learning our people group language. Um, David Mm. really had a desire to learn that language and then to begin translating um, the Bible into that language. And so, Mm. um, so we began to 
learned that. And that was really discouraging because I felt like I already knew, like I can speak, I can get around, I can do all these things in life. But then I felt like I was back at square one, like just a baby again. And I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I didn't know how to say what my name was, you know, like my name is, or um, where are you going? Or just the everyday things uh, Mm -hmm. in China, in Chinese and in China, they, um, instead of saying, how are you? They say, have you eaten yet? So uh, I just remember feeling very frustrated. Like I can't even say like the number one phrase that everybody um, Mm -hmm. wants us to say, you know, when we greet each other. So I think that was one of the things I didn't realize that um, that cur- learning curve um, would, you know, be so steep the second time. Like we learn one language and then learning that second language is pretty steep. Um, and then I think um, be- also, I think just the discouragement um, from something I didn't expect was people who had come to faith, but then um, some different things came in. Like we had a cult that came through um, our area and that pulled believers away. And that was very disheartening. And uh, I just remember weeping over one guy in particular who was a a leader of a house church there. And um, he um, was pulled away and by the cult and just, I mean, it just broke our hearts. He was our greatest ministry partner at that time. And so that was something I did not even plan for, expect at all. And I think maybe we had heard about um, you know, cults coming in and people um, falling away. But I just don't think we had thought this would happen to us. And I didn't know, I, I didn't know anyone who had gone through that experience. Uh, and so it was really, really discouraging just to feel like that we felt like we were gaining headway and then just two uh, steps back or 15 steps back with that. Yes. And so, um, yeah, so I think those were some things that we encountered. I just yeah. took a missions class, Erica. And one of the things that we talked about in that class was just how real spiritual warfare is mm-hmm. when you're in these different places. And I think that that's something that we often don't even consider. You think of, I'm just the physical, practical, and financial issues, but that occult come, being real and sucking the life from a mission can be yeah. heavy. I, I Tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about that too. Yeah, it's, it is a lot. And I think there were places that we would go. I remember um, just driving into this one city and they were building this enormous statue um, of Buddha kind of at the front of the city. And every time we would drive in, I just would feel this heaviness Mm -hmm. and this oppression. And I just would, it would move me to pray. And so we took several prayer walking trips to that place and prayed Mm -hmm. over that city and uh, praise God, years later, he was uh, faithful and he sent missionaries to live in that city and to begin, uh, he sent two families there actually to begin a work there among people. And there are now believers in that city. So wow. just praise God for how he does that. But yes, it's definitely real. And um, the enemy is, um, he is definitely out to seek and kill and destroy, but praise God that he is greater and stronger and mightier. Amen. Okay. So... You, you were there, what'd you say, 16 years you were in China serving together? Wow. Yes. And then in 2020, March of 2020, which is, I mean, as soon as I hear March 2020, I'm immediately <laughs> thinking COVID-19, yes. you all came back home. So walk us through um, what you would like to share about, like what led you to come home and how did that, did that fit mm-hmm. in with COVID happening? And, mm-hmm. you know, that was, that's a, that's a big deal coming home after 16 years, your heart's there serving. So Tell us about that. Um, Well, it was definitely traumatic. (laughs) Um, We did have uh, a security breach within our organization. And so um, we were um, not allowed to stay after that. 
and it was in the middle of COVID. Uh, it actually, COVID actually started in China. Um, yeah. We got, yes. uh, we got the notice about it. I think it was January 23rd or January 25th. I honestly don't remember the date anymore, but, um, but it had already been going on obviously at that point because they were announcing it. I just remember it was the day before spring festival that year. And so normally for Chinese new year, everything is this, um, all kinds of, uh, they call it now, but just like crazy every, everywhere. And all these excitement, all this excitement, all this food, all these, um, parks are open and everything. And then I just remember, um, because that announcement was made the day before on that day, everything was shut down. It was the streets were bare and we have a photo, all the shop doors are closed. Like they just shut everything down for spring festival for Chinese new year. So that's kind of where we were, um, as far as COVID. And so, um, I feel like though we had just come out about a week before, um, we uh, had to leave. We had just come out of all of these restrictions of our city being blockaded and um, us having to have these passes to get in and out of our neighborhood um, mm. from, you know, just so they could kind of track where we were going with COVID protocol and all of that. Um, when we received the call, letting us know that uh, we would not be able to stay any longer um, in this place that we had come to call home and among the people that we um, knew to be our own. And so uh, we were devastated. Uh, over that loss. And um, we were taken out uh, to um, a different place, a different country, and uh, stayed there for a little while to try to regroup and try to figure out uh, what was next. Uh, we knew we wanted to stay overseas. We knew we wanted to stay in Asia if the Lord willed that. So we began to pray towards that and talk to our leadership about that. And um, and we had actually chosen uh, a place to be in Asia. Um, and then at that time, Thailand, uh, COVID was kind of um, blowing up all over the world at that time. That was in um, kind of April. And, you know, that's when it kind of started in the mm -hmm. States and it's just, it's spread everywhere. And so during that time, Thailand um, was just getting all these record numbers of COVID cases. And so they just said, you know what, everybody go home. Like if you're on a tourist visa, you can't stay. <laughs> and so, wow. um, wow. so we, um, at that time, um, decided, okay, we'll go on back to the States. We need to work on our visa anyway for our new place of service. And so, um, that's why we ended up back in the States in uh, May of 2020, actually. So okay. I don't think, you know, and I think actually getting on that plane in Bangkok, um, that was a grief I didn't expect because it felt like I was leaving Asia, like my home and this place that I loved and these people um, that I had been with for so long and just felt so, oh, um, so many uh, relationships and just the depth of our walk together. It just was so hard. Um, but yeah, so yeah. that's how we ended up back in the States um, back yes. then. That had to be even jarring and hard for your children who almost all mm -hmm. of their life was right there. And it wasn't like this planned transition. Tell mm -hmm. us about how that was for them. Yeah. Um, actually, that was one of the most difficult parts mm -hmm. of um, getting pulled out was, um, just where my children were with it. And I just remember um, we were in this guest house and I just remember my children wailing themselves oh, to sleep and me no, holding them, America. Um, oh, just holding them goodness. while they cried. And, um, and I just remember crying out to the Lord um, desperately and just saying, Lord, you did this. I know you did this. I don't get it. Show me how you're good in it. Show us how you're good in it. And, um, 
And just in just to be real with you and transparent with you, I remember one of those nights just holding them while they wailed themselves to sleep and just um, until they were asleep and then going out and sitting on this couch with David and just saying, I don't know. I don't know if I can continue this. I don't know if I can still serve this God who would do this and um, choose this for us. And, um, and David was, it was so, so David, so beautiful. Um, He just, he turned to me and he said, you know, in the words of Job, he said, yet will you praise him? You will. Mm. He said, you will, you will, the Lord will show himself good and faithful and true. That doesn't change. And so praise God, that experience, um, going through that actually, and with David at the helm and as the leader of our home, um, just the way he walked through that, the faith he had in that situation really trained me for what I was going to have to endure later without him. Goodness gracious. The grace of God just poured out through his leadership toward you and your children. Like, yes, the just providence of the Lord, just, yes, goodness gracious. So, all of that leading up to, I mean, you're right, it's just grief. You're already experiencing this grief of coming home, yes, (laughs) parenting, loving, nurturing your children through that, wrestling with your own faith journey in this. Yes. And then the shock of your life, Erica, with David's yes. passing. Um, as much as you want to share, we, we yeah, you know, sure. we want to. <laughs> so um, we were actually in the process of getting our visas to move to Taiwan. We had to- chosen a team leader job there and um, we had sent off all of our paperwork and we were actually just waiting on one document to come back. And uh so um, just kind of packing and preparing and um, sh- making that mental shift to move overseas. And um, it was during that time that um, David, he was actually outside the house that we're staying in and he was exercising. He was a runner. He was 41 um, and he was exercising and um he uh, did 15 push-ups, and and we know all of this because the um, church that we live next door to has security cameras, and so it was pointing uh, to the area that he was exercising. So, um, so anyway, he did 15 push-ups, and he stood up, and he started to walk forward to do another exercise, and um, he just fell backwards, and um, and he just laid there for a moment. And um, the most beautiful thing, uh, which you see on the video, is um, he just he fell backwards and then uh, he just laid there for a second or two. And then all of a sudden he just raised his hands to heaven and looked up and then he just laid his hands down and, um, and watching him see Jesus, watching him meet the Lord, calling him home. You just have to say like, Lord, it was in your goodness and your sovereignty that you called him home. And, um, and I think a lot of people have asked me, you know, have you been angry at the Lord? And I can honestly say I've never once. Now, I would say when I, we were pulled out of China, I felt angry. Um, but because of that, because of how the Lord so perfectly walked us through that um, and just <laughs> taught me how to walk through something hard like that, I think He granted that wisdom and that experience so that this time I wouldn't to walk that way. And so, no, I haven't ever felt angry with the Lord. I have definitely said, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you. And I think um, right after he died, my on the very first day that he died, um, I 
um, just begged the Lord to grant faith. And I just said, Lord, I don't want my faith to fail like it yes. did before. Like, I don't just wow. please grant faith that I would walk well in this. And um, so um, I actually, um, yeah, I just, I think the Lord used just his word and used the prayers of the saints um, to just hold me up. And, you know, that scripture, I think it's Psalm 91, um, 11 and 12, where he commands his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and they will bear you up on their hands, lest you strike your foot against the rock. I just, I felt the Lord doing that. I actually felt the strength of the Lord uh, in me in those days after he died. And uh, I remember just thinking, I don't know, I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord, but I trust you. I really do. And so um, that was kind of that timing of that and just God's faithfulness over and over through it um, definitely was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Gosh, well, my heart is broken that you had to walk through it. But yet on the other side, there's so much of provision of just the Lord's presence, it sounds like, and that strength he gave you. It's just you have to praise him at the same time. Um, And even what a grace, Erica, to have that video um, mm. of him oh. in your backyard. It's just incredible. Mm. Yeah. Grace. It is. Um, yeah, it was a gift. Goodness. Um, so you're praying for faith. The Lord is granting it. You're finding his strength, carrying you through. Um, yeah. the church no doubt is rallying around you and your children. Yeah. Um, but now it's been, we're, you know, we're sitting here in 2022, you know, yeah. how, you're, you're having to go on in life. You know, how are you even now continuing to just put one foot in front of the other and say, wow, this is not how I expected life to go. Um, but I have to keep persevering. I have to keep walking, um, for yourself and for your children. Yes. I think it's the same thing. It's, um, it's just running hard towards Jesus and, um, from, I, I shared that in my bio, but just from the very beginning, I knew that my circumstances had changed my world, had been turned upside down. But I knew that God was the same and that my calling was the same. And so um, I knew, I just did the only thing I knew to do, which was one foot in front of the other towards Jesus. And um, the last thing he had called me to was to um, Taiwan. And so I just kept saying, okay, Lord, I believe you have called us to this. And so will you make a way? Um, And we're still praying that we're still not there. (laughs) And so, um, and so just trusting the Lord that he doesn't fail us, as I shared earlier, just knowing that that is his character, that he He doesn't fail. And so we can trust him in that and that he always meets our needs. And um, there's not been one thing uh, in these past few years that I could say that I needed that he has not provided. He has just been so good and faithful. And I could list out so many things of just like, I didn't even expect it. In fact, my kids and I just recently did an exercise, um, just kind of working through some different things to, as we're thinking about moving back overseas and, um, and just talked about the faithfulness of God and wrote those things out. And it was just amazing. Like just even the smallest things, um, like a boy scout troop for my son or, um, a lady who, Mm. um, was so generous to cut my hair for free for two years, you know, just amazing ways that God just provided little things just to say, I see you and I'm here and I'm walking with you in this and you can trust me to keep carrying you and keep walking with you. And so, um, 
definitely every day there are still apprehensions about um, things. And I still am just desperate before the Lord and just say, I can't do it, Lord. You just got to do this through me. You just got to. And so, and I often just put that back before the Lord and say, you know, you called me to this. You gave me this lot. This is what you have called me to and chosen for my life. So help me to walk in it in a way that honors you and give me strength for all of the things that I need to do in it and, and put those Remind me of the good works that you've called me to, and then just help me to walk in those. That's the Ephesians 2.10, which is um, one of my favorite verses. Um, and so just knowing that the Lord has, has called us to these good works and then asking Him to help us um, to walk into those and, and to trust Him as we do. Erica, I'm a wife. And a, I'm sorry. No, go I just ahead, was say, I'm a wife and a mom, and I, can, I think about this scenario. I yeah. think mm. about what am I going to do? How am I going to move forward? What is the plan? And to hear you think first about the Savior and not about your need to hustle and your need to provide is such a humbling and God-honoring and encouraging mm. word mm. for us. I'm really, yeah. really grateful to hear it, to, mm. just to hear that that's how you've thought. What are you doing now? How are you, how are y'all living? Yeah, so we are, so I actually still work for the International Mission Board. They have been okay. so gracious uh, just to continue to um, give me a job. And so I'm able to do that um, part-time uh, here as well. That's and then awesome. homeschooling my children um, as well. Um, I think yes. I kept homeschooling because it seems like uh, that was a constant for them. And yes. I felt like putting them in three different schools um, and kind of all over town would be a, a shift that would be more of a challenge um, for them in a lot of ways. And so I, I praise the Lord for that. I think it's given us a lot of time, especially in the beginning, to work through all of their emotions without throwing them into another situation of unknowns. And so um, we have continued to homeschool and feel like my children have um, just done so well. Um, God has really been so faithful um, to continue to walk with them and to provide people to walk with them as well. We've had so many people who have stepped in in different ways to have a call with my son once a week, a, a discipleship call from another man mm. who is actually David's closest friend. And then um, mm. just my girls, a lady who stepped in uh, right at the beginning and just did art with them every week just to kind wow. of um, help them through that initial trauma. And then another lady, a pastor's wife here who has faithfully every single week come and done some school, th different school subjects with my children. So I can go out for a couple of hours each week and run errands and just um, have coffee or have a ministry time with a, a, a local friend or just different things like that. And so just the ways the Lord has provided, I think it's been so neat because the kids have seen that too. And, um, and one of the things that we talk often about is just, I tell the kids, you know, I, I'm thankful like this is a desire of mine that you would have this skill of being able to be uprooted and replanted and see the faithfulness of God and just count on it, you know? And, and I just think that is something that they have seen when David died. I just, I prayed, Lord, would you use this to mark my children's faith? Like, would you, would you use this not in a way that they would walk away from you or that they would get angry with you, but would you use this to mark their faith for them to say, I don't understand God, but I trust him and I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. And, and I have seen his faithfulness to do that in their hearts. And even last week, my son um, was just saying, you know, I've had anxieties about 
um, moving overseas again and just, you know, leaving what is normal again and starting over with new community and new school and all of these situations, all the new. But um, he said, but, you know, I've seen God be faithful over and over again. And I've seen him do this for our friends who have moved back overseas. And I've seen him do that here. Like when we got here, we had no community and no friends and no uh, extracurriculars, like nothing and no people in our lives. And and we've seen God provide all of those things. And he said, and I just, I trust he's going to do it again. And, and I shouldn't be anxious. And that was just a breakfast conversation we had um, last week. And so wow. praise God, he does that in their hearts. I, I mean, yes. I would love to say like, you know, I could do this, but it is only, it is only the work of the Lord um, in them. And just like it is in us, uh, we know we can't muster those feelings and muster that faith. It is something that's granted and, and the Lord has done that for them too. Wow. Well, it sounds like, too, one of the things I picked up as you've been sharing, Erica, is, you know, whether it's, you know, you're passing through this city where they're building this Buddha icon idol, or, you know, you're having to walk through these very, very difficult situations. And it just seems like in each of those situations, the Lord and His Spirit is really leading you to pray specific things. God, raise up a people in this city you know, grant faith for me in this moment, mm-hmm. grant faith for my children or, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just, I get a sense that, I mean, I, when I think of the word resilience, it's almost like the Lord has your, your walk with him prior mm-hmm. to these very difficult things has been the foundation of his spirit just flowing mm-hmm. and saying, here's how I'm mm-hmm. leading you to even pray. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. answering those prayers, it's just as beautiful, beautiful mm. testimony of just God's faithfulness. And, um, he's so good, man, you know? Yeah. I would say, um, I would say if it were left, if I were left to myself, I'd be in a fetal position in the corner. Like it's, it's not me. It is the Lord in me. And, um, but I will say to women who are going through really hard things, I I really firmly believe that abiding in God's word is the only way you're going to make it through it. Um, I clung to his word. I didn't even know how to pray right away um, after David died. I just, I didn't even know what to say. I had no words, but I had God's word. And so I just clung to it. I read it day and night and I just saturated my life, my heart with his word. And I would pray his word back because I didn't have my own words. And um, I just, I think just remembering that, uh, that his word is alive and active. And so yeah. um, that, that's just where I've, I've been. And I, that's what I continue to cling to, even in, um, even, even in trials that I encounter these days. My goodness. Well, I mean, we have to close, but I just can't even believe that (laughs) this is, I mean, I feel like we could just, one, learn from you. Mm. How can our listeners support Mm. and pray for you and your kids as you prepare to go back east? Yeah, I think um, you can pray for our timeline uh, for sure. We're still um, in the waiting. Uh, We are moving forward, we believe, but um, I think there's just um, some different logistical issues and then maybe um, even some concerns, uh, security concerns and things like that um, mm-hmm. from our, you know, from other others outside of, of us. Um, so I think just trying to um, navigate all of those things in a way that honors the Lord, um, but also in a way that uh, that displays great faith. And so um, if you'll just pray for our hearts in that, I think we have uh, very great desires to move back overseas. I think um, that's um, been met with some resistance in different ways. Um, And so um, just 
you know, just as far as visas and all that, like it's just been a harder thing to get all these documents and, um, and then just the timing of it all. And I feel like we've had borders closed. Um, we had a year of bereavement. We had borders closed. Um, we had visa documents that took, um, it felt like acts of Congress to get. And so just all these different resistances along the way. And then even now, um, I think we're ready. And then we're just kind of waiting on um, the timeline um, from our organization. And so if you'll just pray um, that the Lord would be faithful to move um, in that and that we would trust him again with his timing. Um, And as as you prayed in the beginning, Courtney, just, um, yeah, that we know that his timing is good and perfect and uh, it doesn't look ever like what I would imagine it to be. And I think that lesson over and over, I'm like, Lord, why don't I get this? That I just would (laughs) say, okay, I'm throwing it all up in the air, whatever you do with it. But I think, yeah, it's just so hard because we, we get into this in our mind and, um, my greatest prayer actually this past, this week has just been, Lord, don't let me make an idol of a timeline. Don't let me make an idol of a plane ticket. Don't let me make an idol of this life overseas that I long for again. Jesus, let me see you as greater than all of these things. You're better than all of it. And that's really been my prayer this week because I've really um, come up against some of those things again and just trying to move forward and and, and not get being able to um, in the way that I would like to. So Goodness, that's a word right there. Don't let me make right. an idol of this timeline, right. no matter what your calling is that's that is applicable for every single woman who's listening to this Um, nothing else to say (laughs) i was going to share um i was just going to share one thing um that um just to the listeners there um as you're i'm sure as you hear my story and you're thinking okay i'm married like what if this happens to me and um, and I think, uh, you know, one of the things I, I wish is that I wish David and I had talked through, mm-hmm. um, this, we never, we never did. We never once talked about what if he were to, what if the Lord would call him home mm-hmm. to heaven? Um, and David was a, he was a big outline writer. He would come to our dates with an outline of what he wanted to talk through. And like, he had like purposeful questions. I mean, he literally did. We would laugh, people, we would tell people, but he would, we laughed so hard. He would literally come to our dates with this outline. And he was like, okay, we're going to talk through these things. And then I'm going to ask you these questions and so intentional about everything in life. But, um, and so I just remember him dying and I thought, where's my outline? Wow. Like, where mm. is my playbook? Like yeah. he it literally never crossed our minds. And so I would say, first of all, talk about it. Um, I know that's a hard conversation to have, but I think, um, I think you will, I think it will honor the Lord too, because you're talking through, um, just how you want to walk it through that, you know, and, and you can pray for one another in that as well before, I mean, Lord willing, that would not be the case, you know, and that would not be your situation, but, um, but I would just say, talk through it and ask the Lord even now to grant faith for, for a journey, a hard journey, if he would call you to that. And then, um, I would say, um, a lot of people ask, you know, what would you do differently? And I I said, um, you know, I just, I I would say, just sit down, sit down with your husband, sit down with your, your wives. Um, my greatest regret is, um, that I lived in this kind of busy pace uh, with homeschooling and uh, ministry and all these different things. And um, I just remember the night before David died, I was scurrying around the house, cleaning bathrooms, uh, tidying up. And he was uh, actually sitting on the couch watching church planting videos. And um, I just kept thinking as I passed back and forth by him, like I should sit down and I should just sit down with him and, um, and just like, 
it just be with him right now. Right. And, and I just think like, I, I kept, I was like, no, I've got to get all this done. You know, I've got stuff tomorrow. And, um, as I look back on that, I just, I think I never look back and think, oh, I wish I would have cleaned more or homeschool more or, um, cooked a better meal. I, I just look back and say, I wish I would have sat down with him more. I wish I would have just been in his presence and treasured him um, and his love for me and um, just to know him really deeply. And so, um, yeah, I just think so as you're thinking through um, your life and um, I think that applies for the Lord too. Like we're not going to get to the end of all this and say, I wish I had done this one more thing or, um, you know, done this one more thing, but just like, I wish I had just like sat in the presence of the Lord as well. And so I think that's just a, um, a good reminder for me, even now with my children, um, is that, you know, just to stop and to, and to say, okay, all of those things may be swirling around me, but the Lord has called me to these people in this place at this time. And so I want to be intentional um, to sit with them and just to be with them. And then, and with him too, like he is my first priority um, every morning before I even, um, get out of bed um, before I even my feet even hit the ground. I just say, Lord, I commit this day to you. Like, I don't know what's in this day, but I know I don't have what it takes to do it. So I pray, Lord, that you would just do all the things today um, through me and um, and for me. And God, I just want to commit it to you. And I've tried to teach my children that same habit, but that's just before I even, my feet even hit the ground. And then I'm um, to the restroom and then I'm right back in my bed, um, for, um, quiet time. And that is just, that is something that does not change no matter where you are, where you travel, like you have got to cling to God, um, and, and just walk with him well, um, because all of the rest will fall apart. <laughs> this is, that's a guarantee, right? This is earth and heaven is the only, um, home that never changes. And so, um, so just knowing that and saying, okay, if that's where I'm going, then let me just be all for that. And so, yeah, so that's kind of how we're still walking. What's beautiful is what you've, everything you've just said was yes, appropriate for a, a wife and a husband, but it's so appropriate for every woman, right. for, for moms, for women in relationship with other women, like they're mentoring, they're discipling, their best right. friends. This is for parents and their children and adult, adult children with their parents this is for people recognizing that relationships are always more important than the scurrying mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. and the yeah. ultimate relationship with our savior is yes. much more important. Yes. So, yeah, that is so right. wonderful. Well, so, and I just kept so thinking wonderful. of um, a couple of different passages when you were talking Psalm 46, 10, you know, be still yes. and know that I'm yes. God. And even, you know, when um, Mary and Martha, you know, you got one scurrying around serving, which is our tendency because we want to serve as a form of love. But, you know, he said, no, she's chosen uh, the lasting thing, just sitting at my feet. And I feel like just the the calmness, the rest, the stillness of being in the Lord's presence, but also just what you're saying with these relationships. I mean, sometimes I, I look at my kids and I think the same thing. I'm like, I should sit here and listen mm -hmm. to them. I should, mm. you know, whatever it is I'm doing, like I need to put this down and actually look him in the yes. eyes and yes. have this moment with him because this is, this is life right here. This moment yes. right here is life. Yes. And those are the good works that the Lord has put before you and he's prepared those for you. Yeah. And, and asked you to walk in them. And those are, that's, yeah, that's all you're asked to do, yeah. right? Is those good works. So. And to have that, that moment where you say, yes, I will, I will put mm -hmm. that down. It's, it's really huge. Yeah. 
Erica, I want to ask you this. Um, When you go back on the field, will you send, will you have a newsletter or I'm just thinking of our listeners who are going to hear this and they're going to be connected to you and they're going to say, man, I want to pray for this woman. How, is there a way they can follow up with you and, and stay um, on, on your journey with you? Yes, I've actually, um, I just actually put um, on my Facebook page, I put a link um, for um, people that can sign up for either a month, like an email newsletter, if they prefer to get that in their inbox, or um, I'm going to have, I've actually already set up a private Facebook group. um, Because even though I'm going to be um, Lord willing, living in an open country, um, it looks like we're where we're headed. Um, the people that I'm working with in a lot of places are not in open countries, and so I want to be um, sensitive to their security needs as well. So I'll be uh, so I have that set up that private Facebook group, and so people could um, kind of look for me on Facebook and uh, and maybe seek you know to do the to be a friend, um, and then I can send them the link uh, for. Um, joining the other groups. So. Okay. We'll, um, yeah. in our show notes, we'll make sure we link to that for those women who want to follow your story and commit to pray for you. Okay. Thank you. Well, I hate to, mm-hmm. I hate to close yeah. this. It's so yeah. good, but <laughs> we ask all of our guests the same question. I feel like you might've already answered this because it's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but is there just as you close, is there anything else on your heart mm-hmm. that you would say, you know, no matter what God has called you to listener, um, Here's one thing that that is important for you to to do. Yeah, I think you want to hear him clearly, hear the Lord clearly and trust him completely and surrender to him fully. I would say those are the ways that he has asked us to walk, to hear him clearly, to trust him completely and surrender to him fully and knowing that he will accomplish all that he wills through in you and through you. Thank you, Erica. This has been such a pleasure. And I want to say just really special for me um, because on campus at the University of Mobile, David was, his reputation was a guy who loved the Lord. Mm -hmm. He was known as someone who was very gentle and very kind and everyone respected him. Everyone loved David. And, um, I didn't hang out with him a ton. We weren't like BFFs or anything, but everyone um, knew this is a guy who is serious about his faith. This is a guy who walks with integrity. And so it is such a true honor for me to meet mm-hmm. you and hear your story mm-hmm. and to really praise God for your life and for David's life. And mm-hmm. um, we just really mm-hmm. pray all of God's blessings on you and your kids. Thank you. And um, thank you for coming yeah. on. Thank you, guys. It's been so wonderful to get to talk with you guys as well. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will be more information about today's conversation there. And while you're there, we'd be honored for you to partner with us financially. If this podcast or really any of the content Women in Work produces has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you. Women in Work is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all your donations are fully tax deductible. And please take a minute to subscribe to our show and also give us a rating and review so more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time, friends.